Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want us to take our Bibles, please, and uh, go to Ephesians chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to turn to somebody and say, you were made for this. You were made for the Jonathan Puckett. How in the world are you? Wow, I, ne- I didn't think you could get more handsome, but with her next to you, bud, you better keep her close to your side. Hi, Elise, how are you? Glad to have you all today. Are you, are you joining our church today? Put him on the spot. <laughs> no, they're in, we're, you're in ministry in Tyler? In Tyler, Texas. This is a former graduate of Christ for the Nations. It's been a while since I've seen them. Welcome, glad to have you all with us. Amen. All right. Have you found Ephesians? Genesis, Exodus, Ephesians. That help you? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read this today. For we are... Actually, why don't we all read this out loud together? Can we do that? Ready? Read. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, thank you for these next few minutes in your presence, in the speaking and the hearing of your word with your people, Lord. I thank you for what your word does and can do for us who will give attention to it. And Lord, we're here to give attention to your word. We're here to believe it. We're here to hear from you and receive this seed of the word planted into our hearts and to be that good ground that holds on to that word and to confess that word, and to hold fast our confession. Father, I thank you that your word says that it is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. So, Lord, we welcome your word to come and do that for us today. Thank you, Lord, for the healing power that's in your word. Thank you for the life that's in it. And so we welcome it with open arms. And, Lord, we receive it, and we will, Lord, live our lives by it, by the truth of the word. Because it's the truth that we know that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, for freedom here in the name of Jesus. Amen. You were made for this. You were made for this. I want us to look back at this verse for a moment. It says, for we are his workmanship. You know what that means? You didn't get here by accident. Uh, Maybe mom and dad accidentally brought you here. Maybe they weren't planning on your arrival at least as quickly as you came. But God knew. God was perfectly vested in and, and totally vested in your conception. The moment you were conceived, he went to work with you. Ooh, that's good news. That, that, that way you don't get caught up thinking they didn't want me or, you know, I was an accident. No, no, no. See, listen, the moment that happened, God started putting a design together. He had nine months, just you and him, to work out his plan, to... Put his gifts on the inside of you and to give you a hope and a future, a destiny, a purpose. You are his workmanship. However you got it, doesn't matter. You are his workmanship. That is, you are made by God's own special design. We're in a world of six plus billion people, and yet all of us are unique, uniquely individual. We're all human, but we all are individual in our personality and our gifts and what we can bring to the earth. And see, God created you, which means you're meaningful to him. Yeah. 
The fact that you're here means that you're meaningful, that you're significant, that you're not just an accident waiting for somewhere to happen. God had a plan, a purpose when he brought you here. Not only are you meaningful for him, but my family, you're meaningful for this world. In this time, in this age of history, he brought you here for his good pleasure and for his good purpose. You're created. You need to remember that you're designed. Your whole life, your existence is God-designed, God-planned, God-ordained. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and on day six of creation, He created man. He said, let us make man in our image. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we understand it's our very existence in this form, in this flesh. God created it. But it's so cool that that's not everything to our created person or substance. There's a recreation that he also offers us. Because, well, Adam screwed up. Right? I mean, he just screwed up. And you can all thank him for that. Because the scripture says, by one man, by one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. All of us were counted sinners because one guy sinned. By Adam's sin. So we're all born right into it. But God wouldn't leave us that way because what God starts, he finishes. And he is a redeeming and a restoring God. And so when he saw his own image subject to the fall, he decided to do something about it. Thank God. And 2 Corinthians, bless you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things are gone or old things have passed away. Behold, look into this is what it's saying. Look, all things have become new. Praise God. So we have been made new all over again or recreated. It says that we are created in Christ. Listen to what David says. David got this revelation a long time before Jesus ever came, but he could see something about this New Testament reality. So he would say things like, blessed are those to whom the Lord will not hold their sins against them. He was talking about you. He was talking about us. Blessed are those. We're living in that reality that God got over sin. He got over his anger at man because of their sin. He poured out all of his wrath on his own son so that we could be free from that wrath. If you ever have a feeling or have ever been told God's mad at you, that's a lie. It's an absolute lie. He can't be mad at you. He made it impossible for himself. He put all of his anger on his son, and his wrath was satisfied. Praise God. His just wrath was satisfied. And he gives us grace and mercy. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Listen to what David says about, he started, I love the way he puts this together about God, how intricately evolved he is in our being. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I heard a preacher say, some of you are fearfully made, some of you are wonderfully made. <laughs> Nobody here, of course. 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very. You know what David's doing when he's saying that? He's looking at himself. Hmm? He's looking at himself and saying, wow, marvelous are your works. Well, that's, that's, that's how I felt when I, my eyes hit Heather Joe. Whew, first time I, marvelous are your works. Lord, you did overtime on that one. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Verse 15, listen to this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You see what I mean? God knew. God was there at your conception. Not hidden from him. He was there. He was there in the moment when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Next, verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed. The word there means is embryo. And yet, in your book, they're all written. See, he takes careful record. Not only did he create you, but he created you by design. He has all your design written out. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Wow. Meaningful to him. Created. Created, designed by Almighty God. And you need to understand that, know that, because when you know that, that changes your whole outlook on life. When you're truly aware that you're not here by happenstance, you're here by design, then that will help you then weigh over time what you say, what you do, how you think. It'll help you understand that life truly is meaningful and that the days that you've been given are all very meaningful days. Let's look at this verse again. Let's go back up to verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Say, in Christ Jesus. For good works. For good work. We're created in Christ Jesus. Something marvelous happened when you got in Jesus. You know what? When you got in Jesus, your life got bigger. Your whole world expanded. Everybody say capacity. Mm-hmm, capacity. Now you have a new capacity. See, Jesus made these outlandish statements that help us understand his capacity doesn't seem like it has really any limits to it. Paul said, as he's getting this revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, he said in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ. There are no limits in him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ooh, that's good news. But then Jesus said stuff like, Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Let me, say, let me slow that down. Let's say that again. This, Jesus said these words. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. I'm going to say it again just in case you didn't really hear what I'm saying, what he's saying. Whatever things you desire when you pray, Believe you receive them, and you will have them. Now here, right here, it's hard for us to, to really grasp that truth sometimes because we've been so religionized. And so I have some good religious friends. Well, they're good at being religious. They're not necessarily good friends. <laughs> and they would say stuff like this. 
immediately when when read something like this that Jesus said, immediately they would say, no, obviously, he doesn't mean whatever thing. you got to be mature enough to know that Jesus doesn't mean everything. you got to put it in context. See? Well, what's the context? Okay. What's the context? Well, he said in verse 22, have faith in God. And then he said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that whatever he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. There's the context. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Yeah, but I thought we were supposed to pray, Lord, I want what you desire. I know. I know you've been taught that. But he says whatever things you desire when you pray. See, we've been made to think there's always something wrong with us. And our desires are always screwed up. So we need to pray this religious prayer. I want what the Lord wants. How about what you want? What do you want? Can you actually believe that you are a new creation in Christ? And now you've, been in, you've come into a capacity that is an endless supply? I don't know why men and women, I'm going to blame you too, try to reason themselves out of faith. But I'm telling you, it's the natural response to hearing things like this. You hear something so outlandish, whatever things you desire. Believe you receive them and you will have them. Uh, And then we start thinking of reasons why that can't be true. I don't know who I'm talking to here. Probably none of you. I doubt any of you have ever thought like that. You're all perfect in every way. I'm talking about people that go to other churches. You're obviously perfect. I'm preaching to the choir every Sunday here. But sometimes we just need to let Jesus' words, just let them hang there before we start going, but, 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 I can't, um, uh, uh, oh. But just let them ring in our hearts. Let them ring. Let them, let them vibrate through our spirit and soul. And just let them hang there. And if we just let him speak, and if we will just believe it, then just maybe we can truly live in that truth. Maybe we can have whatever things we desire when we pray. Maybe that can be if we would just have faith in God and not faith in our system, not faith in our creed, not faith in our denomination and what we think. Hmm? But what he says, he also said in Matthew chapter 7, is this okay if I preach a little bit? Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Anybody see any reason to doubt here so far? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For every, then he says this crazy thing, everyone who asks receives. Well, I know not everybody receives because I know a guy who prayed and God didn't do nothing for him. He, he thought he was going to get healed and he just died. Oh, okay. Well, then let's just throw the Bible out then. Your experience wins. Hmm? How come, how come that's the first thing that gets questioned rather than what really happened here with fallible man? Hmm? Either he's true or he's not. And he is true because he is the true. And he said, everyone who asks receive and whoever seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. All we have is assurance, assurance, assurance. But then here comes that little religious devil saying, now... And starts trying to reason us right out of believing God. 
What if we just believed him? What if we didn't care what the world thought? What if we didn't care what other, what if we didn't care what we even think about it? And stepped into this realm of anything's possible. This is the capacity that you've been brought into, a capacity that is no limits. My God shall supply all your need according to what? According to whatever's here on the earth. And This is interesting. Now, there's a lot of wealth and a lot of good things here on this earth, but God wants you to understand how he supplies according to his riches. How rich is God? He wants to supply your need according to his riches. How rich is he? Well, gold is pavement where he lives. That's just a start. It's pretty extraordinary. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amazing thing. And he wants us to understand something, my family, that, that there, just don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid. Because the truth is, as a born-again believer, those who are created in Christ Jesus, you have now the right nature with the right desire. You understand this? You have the right nature, you have the right desire. If you are one spirit with him, is this true? He who is joined to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You are blessed of God. You are healed. Are you hearing me? You are now made holy, righteous, above reproach in his sight without blame. God doesn't blame you. You're blameless according to him. All right? So if this is true then, why, do, why have we been taught over and over to question our motives? And what that does is it causes us to shrink our prayers down to this kind of thing. Lord, I don't ask for much. I just want you to meet my needs. I know you're busy. What, where are you getting this thinking? Just, I, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want, I humbly come to, no, that's not humility, that's stupidity. Listen, if you're going to humble yourself before God, then you're going to need to say what he says. And when you humble yourself, this will be a very humbling thing. It will be a very humbling thing to believe God and to say something like, mountain be moved. I mean, that's like ultimate humility. Right? Because nothing in you thinks that that's going to happen or possibly can happen. So you have to humble yourself under his opinion and, and forget what you think about it. Praise God. And say, okay. All right, you've given me this limitless capacity. Oh, Lord, I'm going to step right out here with you. And see, if you'll believe him, then your prayers are going to go up. Then you really will come to the place where you believe anything's possible with God. Don't limit him. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit your life. Amen. Take him at his word and understand what he has created you for and the, what he's brought you into in Christ Jesus. The scripture says that you are now complete in him. Wow. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Amen. So really, we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us to act like him in the earth. Same authority, same righteousness, same holiness. You walk around here, you're just like him. John, John said it. He said, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment? Who do you think you are to talk, about, like, talk like that, John? Boldness in the day of judgment? We all should be groveling on the day of judgment. 
before a holy God. Well, not those who are perfected by love. Because we didn't get there by religious effort. We got there through him. That's why we can have boldness. Because we understand it's not by works of righteousness that I've done. It's by his mercy he saved me. Praise God. I'm here by mercy. Grace brought me here. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. Hallelujah. It's by his stripes I'm healed. He bore the iniquity of us all. That's why I can stand here confident, because I had nothing to do with it. Except believe in Jesus. Amen. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Then, then it says this, for as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Oh, come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you're just like Jesus. You're just like him. You're just like him. Oh, pastor. Oh, pastor. This guy's sitting by me. He ain't like Jesus. <laughs> Say it anyway. <laughs> Listen, we're walking by faith, not by sight. <laughs> You're just like him. You're just like him. Let me remind you of today, of how the system works. God set up everything by seed time and harvest. Boy, the, the world operates seed time and harvest. You plant a seed. Everything starts in seed form, right? And God made a rule in the very beginning with that seed. What was the rule? The seed produces after its own kind. The seed produces after its own kind. Jesus is called the seed of David. He's the seed that God planted. What was that seed? A son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And he was speaking of his own death when he talked about that. See, he's not the only begotten son of God now. Now he's the firstborn among many brethren. If God sowed a seed, his son, then what can he expect as a harvest? What can, what's he supposed to expect? If the seed produces after its kind, then what should he get if he plants a son? If he sows a son, what should he get? Many sons. Man, this is, this is eons better than disciples. We're not disciples. We're sons. We're sons of God. Disciples got to work. Disciples got to disciple. We're sons. There's a much higher place of, of living a lot of religion makes it all about discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. Hey, that's like elementary school, folks. Sonship is the pinnacle. Sonship is the zenith. He wants us to understand the world is waiting and looking for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, who's going to act like him in the earth? Who is going to call those things that be not as though they are? Who are those who are going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Who are those who are going to walk by faith and not by sight? Who are going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and make a difference wherever they go? Who are going to preach this gospel wherever they go in the earth? Because how are they going to hear without a preacher? Because if they don't preach, then they can't hear. And if they can't hear, then they won't believe. And if they don't believe, they won't call on him. And if they don't call on him, they won't be saved. But if you preach... Praise God, then they can hear. And if they hear my family, they can believe. And if they can believe, then they can call on him. If they call on him, they can be saved. Amen. Mm, capacity is limitless. Now, let me finish here. I'll tone down. 
Sorry. Last name's Holler, so kind of live up to it sometimes. Which God prepared beforehand in 2.10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in there. Everybody say capability. You can live the Christian life. You can live the Christian life. It's not that hard. It gets difficult when you try to live the Christian life and another life. That's, man, it's hard being a Christian. No, it's not. It's hard trying to live in two different worlds. It's hard living by the flesh and living by the Spirit. That's where things get difficult. But you can live by faith in Him because He's created you for this. He's given you all the ability, the capability, I should say, because it's who you are. See, you are a good work of God. Therefore, it only stands to reason that you can produce good works. I was telling the early service, I used to have a, a pickup of uh, a, a Ford F-150. It was a four-wheel drive. Chase will remember this. And I was so happy to finally have a four-wheel drive pickup. I thought, okay, watch out, mud. And we had a big event at our church. Um, the ladies used to do every year. It's called Redazzle. And, ha- I, and my wife drug me to that thing. I had to attend that thing every year. And it's where women, our women would come together, and they would bring all their accessories, like their purses and jewelry and whatever else, and then they would do an exchange. It was like getting a whole new setup. And then that would raise money. They would raise money for a, a women's shelter in, in uh, Plano called Hope Store. And it was a great event. It really was. They'd have a big fashion show and all this. Was, my sister was the one who was really spearheading it. It was, it was really cool. Well, this particular event, uh, it had rained, and we were over at the cotton mill here in McKinney, and the parking lot was full of cars, and so they were having to park people out in the grass, out in this field area. Well, as we were leaving, this, this lady gets in her car, and she can't get out. She's stuck in the mud. So I'm like, all right, let's do it right now. This is time. Let's get this four-wheel drive to work. So I pull that pickup around in front of her and tie a, a, a rope to her car in my truck. And so I start pull, pulling. Uh, I think I'm pulling, but I'm spinning. I'm just spinning in place. And I tried to engage the four-wheel drive, and it was only two wheels spinning. It didn't work. I didn't realize I had an issue. Brandon Webster helped me understand that I had an issue with that pickup. And be- between, between that switch and, and the, the components to go four-wheel drive, there was something terribly missing. Then I realized, really, what I'm driving around is an advertisement <laughs> for four-wheel drive, but I actually don't have it. See, the thing that's missing between your action, your capability, living that, and is this thought, hmm, what is missing here to cause you to have this understanding to then flow into action? What are these good works? Our good works are that we love and we serve people. That's it. We love and we serve people. That's what we've been created for, to love and serve people. But it's going to take faith on your part for that to be activated. It's going to take faith for you to engage that capability to live this life God's called you to live. There's so much more to you than you realize. But the Scripture is here to help you realize it so you don't ever walk in ignorance. You're created. You're created by God Almighty, designed by Him. And He has given you a capacity that is beyond your own. Thank God. And He's given you the capability 
to walk this walk, to talk this talk, to live this life for good works. Everything you do now in him is meaningful. There are a lot of people in this world who don't know God who are doing good things. But in the end, those things aren't even going to count for them. And they're counting on them, counting for them. That's the deception of man. If I can just do enough good stuff, then when the end comes around, when I, hey, let's just be honest, every one of us realizes, whether we realize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are all accountable. And everybody knows that. Their instinct tells them that. We will all stand before him and give an account for our life. But there are some who are simply depending on their philanthropic endeavors. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. Sorry. My son was beaten and bruised and sacrificed and died for you. That's all I need. Your works can even measure up to that sacrifice. Never will. There are many who are depending on that. A lot of those are cloaked behind religious names. The thing that separates Christianity from all other religions, it's not one just to be among many religions. It's completely opposite all other religions of the world because all of those others are works-based. You do enough good stuff, you try hard, you don't kill people, whatever. It'll all work out for you in the end. Don't believe that lie because it ain't going to work out for you in the end. Hmm? Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen? Hey, I just think, why would you want to spend your life trying to work for something that you'll never attain to when you can just believe and get everything from God? Isn't that a better deal? Amen. I believe it is. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.